What's up gamers, I'm Tori Dominguez. And I'm Noah Hertz. And welcome to Press Start. It's the cow tools of video game podcasts. <laughs> I will not be elaborating on what, what? that means. <laughs> what does that mean? I'm googling are you, this. Are you, familiar, are you familiar with Gary Larson's cow tools? Oh my god, yeah! Yeah, the Far Side comic. Oh my god. Wow. In his later years, well, Gary Larson's still alive, but after publishing that comic, uh, he gave an interview. I don't remember when the interview was. I saw this on a Tumblr post like a thousand years ago. But Gary Larson said that Cow Tools was his most asked about comic because people would write him letters asking what each of the individual tools were. And he would be like, it was just a dumb joke. I didn't put that much thought into it. I don't know what it was. People are really asking about the deeper meaning behind the cow tools. <laughs> wow. I never knew about, like, I knew cow tools was a thing he did, but I was yeah. far more versed in far side. But can I, uh, now that, now that we've jumped off with a, a joke that, like, maybe three people are going to understand without Googling, yeah. can I, uh, can I hit you with a riff? Just a little quick one. Okay, sure. So, got my PSP. Been playing some games on my PSP. Okay. I've also been looking online at other games that are available on the PSP, and uh, the PSP had that funny thing. Did you ever? Did you ever have a PSP? Did you ever play with one at all? My brother had one, and he forbid me from touching it. So, I mean, would you give that to a five-year-old? No. Yeah, yeah, probably not. It's like made of glass. It's made of glass, and I mean, it had like God of War on it too. You know what? You don't <laughs> yeah. want your five-year-old sister playing. Yeah, God exactly. The PSP had a thing where some movies were ported to the proprietary yes. discs, the UMDs. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I was so jealous of my brother when he had that. I don't think I ever used that feature. Like, I had my PSP, my dad got it used, and it came with a copy of the first National Treasure. And I'm like, Classic. I think I still have it. Classic. But I was like, why would I, like, we owned it on DVD. Why wouldn't I just watch it on DVD Yeah, on the one TV? for the road, one for the road. I guess, yeah, um... But in looking at other PSP games online, a lot of times when people are selling like a lot of PSP games, it will be like mostly games with a few UMD movies mixed in. And every single time, without fail, for a split second, I think that the UMD movies are like game adaptations of a movie. <laughs> so I've had the thought like multiple times in the last few weeks, like, they made a PSP game based on Hitch? <laughs> <laughs> for the PSP? And then I've gotten to thinking, like, you know, what would a what would a video game adaptation of Will Smith's Hitch look like? No clue. Oh my god, that's wild. You know what that reminds me of? I remember what? begging my parents to get me this, never got me this. But do you mm. remember, like, on the Game Boy Advance, you could like watch episodes of like Fairly Odd Parents? Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, and like Pokemon. Yeah, too? yeah. yeah. That shit was crazy. Oh yeah. My parents same. were like, no, but I, yeah, really cutting I edge technology there. I saw, this was probably a YouTube video at some point I saw with somebody using a Game Boy Advance capture card, or it was either a Game Boy Advance capture card or using the Game Boy Advance cartridge to GameCube hookup that exists so you could play them on the yes. TV. They were like watching an episode of Pokemon on their TV, but from the Game Boy Advance, and it was like the crunchiest shit imaginable. Oh my like, god, imagine so blowing funny. that up on like a modern day, like 60 inch <laughs> tv it oh was, my god it was so fucked up it looked like a, an evil wizard had cursed an yeah, episode it, it looked like you're watching a hazel video yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh my god so welcome back everyone uh i know we kind of went on a weird tangent um 
yeah, that's 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 just where we're at this week. Uh, that's where we're at this there's week. There's been some some pretty newsy week actually. I gotta say, looking at this Google Doc, I'm like, wow. Uh, yeah, can I uh can I hit you with one? Yeah, what's the what's here? the first one? So, we were all looking forward to Chris Pratt's Mario. Mm-hmm. It has been it has been top of mind. We've all been thinking about it, and just a few days ago, a semi-cryptic tweet went out on the <laughs> Nintendo of America Twitter. Semi-cryptic? <laughs> it is. I mean, have you seen this tweet? Yeah, like, they're like, Chris I, Son. <clears throat> is that Chris Pratt? I just, I don't think that's Chris Pratt. Who's so, Chris Son? Nintendo of America made a tweet announcing that the Super Mario Brothers movie is not going to come out in December 2022, as was originally planned, but instead has been pushed back to spring 2023. But the way they announced this was with a tweet that is like it is either made to look or was written by Shigeru Miyamoto that reads, This is Miyamoto, period. After consulting with Chris San, my partner in Illumination on the Super Mario Brothers film, we decided to move the global release, blah blah blah. But yeah, I, I definitely had a thought when I looked at that, like, is Chris San Chris Pratt? Like, is Miyamoto just been like texting Chris Pratt, like, yo, is the movie ready? <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. I'm still perfecting my accent. I'm still trying to get the exit down. I haven't quite nailed it. Yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just give me some time. I mean, I guess this is fine. Um, I do think it's funny the way like people. I I saw a few game journalists, uh, a few in particular, that when they saw this tweet, they're like, "This this tweet scared the shit out of me." Because like, isn't it yeah. like the last line that you realize it's about the Mario movie? So like, this is Miyamoto. After talking with Chris and we. We have come to the unfortunate conclusion. Like, it sounds very serious. And yeah. it's like, oh my god, what is this about? Like, is a game getting canceled? Like, <laughs> Did Chris Pratt die? Did Mario die? Like, who knows? <laughs> who knows? And it's just like, oh, like this movie is getting pushed back. And I don't know. Like, I, I can understand why this would spook you a little bit if you thought it was about something uh, more important. <laughs> I think I think less than spooking me, the deeply amusing thing to me was the idea that either Shigeru Miyamoto has the login for the Nintendo of America Twitter account, or that someone like ran into the same room as Shigeru Miyamoto and was like, "Quick, Miyamoto-san, help me write this tweet." Just like grabs the intern's phone. I got this. Like, I I really I really like to imagine there's a world where Shigeru Miyamoto opens up Twitter and like is accidentally signed into the Nintendo of America yeah, Twitter that's... account. It's just like. <laughs> Ah, damn it! I liked. I retweeted something to the Nintendo of America. Oh no, he accidentally liked a, a porn tweet on 9/11. Oh, he liked porn on 9/11. Shigeru Miyamoto, <laughs> a classic Ted Cruz. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of all there is about the Mario movie. Um, I I can't say I'm deeply moved one way or the other that it has been pushed back approximately four or five months. Yeah, that's um, not too bad. I don't really care. I'm gonna see it eventually, probably. Like, I don't know. Just give Sonic more time to be in the limelight, I guess. That's true. Sonic needs his time in the sun. Well, some more yeah. serious news from Nintendo, unfortunately, is that... Yeah. Fuck their asses up. Yeah, so Nintendo just released, just received a union-busting complaint uh, from contractors who, one of them alleged that after speaking about organizing, was fired shortly after. Um... And a lot of contractors, I mean, like, this is very common for big game studios. They will hire out contractors, especially for, like, their more third-party games uh, type of thing. And, you know, they're kind of treated like second-class citizens in a way. 
And this happens to a lot of places. This happens in, in journalism, dude. Like I was, I was a contractor at a big, large media company, and uh, as an intern, technically, but I was trying to get temp work. And like, there's this. Uh, I think someone on the Waypoint really described it really well when they were like, when you get onboarded as a contractor at a big company, an industry you know you're into, and a company you really have dreamed about, you know, working for. There's this sense of like, oh, well, look at Jason over there. He was a contractor for 10 years and he ate shit yeah. and look at him now. And he's like, he's there permanently. And you're like, maybe one day I'll be him. And then yeah. it, that's kind of like an MLM, honestly, because like you can have a class of like a hundred, like con uh, class, but like a cohort of a bunch of contractors. And like maybe one gets pulled on, but they're all like, maybe you could be you. Um, yeah. And, yeah, it... And then sometimes you get strung along, sometimes you get into situations where you keep getting extensions, but not an actual permanent position, and I could totally see why some contractors would have issues with this. Another really funny wrinkle that came from this, uh, you sent this to me, yeah. was one person yeah. talking about the uh, crunch culture at Nintendo, now, even Shigeru Miyamoto would stay on till like, 11 p.m., which, like, this man is, like, the top dog, and he's also getting old. And these people, these, like, contractors and devs would stay on for even longer at work. Can I just read straight from this? Because Yeah, this yeah, is, yeah, you should do it. I, I just want to, I want to quote this guy directly, because... This it, is amazing. This comes from a, uh, this comes from a 2017 Gama Sutra article, which also, side note, uh... Imagine my surprise when I, I opened up an article on Gama Sutra and they're not called Gama Sutra anymore, which is like a net positive. But like Gama Sutra is called Game Developer now. That's cool. Okay. Um, that's cool. Yeah. But um, this comes from a 2017 article that is titled Q&A Design Lessons Learned from a Decade at Nintendo's EAD, which is like Nintendo's it's called Entertainment Analysis and Development. It was Shigeru Miyamoto's, like, pet studio within Nintendo. They're responsible for some of, like, the biggest hits. And so this this guy, Chris Kohler, talked to a fellow who used to work there called Motoi Okamoto, just kind of about the culture and things there. And Okamoto had this to say when they were talking about the culture there. He says, In those days, Miyamoto would come to us at 11 p.m. after he finished all of his board member work and say, quote, It's Mario time, unquote. <laughs> It's it's that, a me, clocking out at time. That, at that point, we'd start a planning meeting that would run until 2 a.m. At that point, Miyamoto would go home, leaving us with the words, you should return home soon for your help. Over the next two or three hours, we'd write the game design documents and summarize the instructions for our artists and programmers. And then he goes on to say, like, it was the craziest crunch experience he had ever gone through in his entire life. He was talking specifically about, like, the, uh, the mid-2000s, like, the Nintendo DS era. I think the, the game in specific he was talking about working on was Super Mario 64 DS. But it is, like, it's a textbook case of, like, you get your dream job, you are working at fucking Nintendo. Like, Nintendo, you grew up playing Nintendo games. And then the guy you've idolized your whole life is like, have fun working until 2 a.m. This is just how the sausage gets made. Bye. Like, <sighs> it's very fucked up mamma mia yeah and mario time what the fuck it's mario time <laughs> leaves you to suffer <laughs> do you think they call it mario time when they crunch at like naughty dog yeah is this universal yeah like when someone's having to watch gruesome videos of a person like 
getting their Achilles heel cut with a shiv over and over again so that they can animate it into Last of Us 2. And they're like, it's just Mario time. It's Mario time. I don't know. What, what do they say at Square Enix? Is it Sora time? Is it Donald time? I don't it's, know. It's, it's Donald time. It's Donald time. Yeah, this is ridiculous, but also horrible. Well, and the worst part, too, is all this coming out of Nintendo. Kind of, and Nintendo has, like you said, this is all alleged. Nintendo has, uh, they have disavowed and all of this. They have said that, you know, oh, well, we weren't involved, and the person was let go for different reasons and all this. But it, uh, Nintendo has kind of done a very good job of trying to put on a, a front-facing or a public-facing persona of, like the happy place to work and it definitely does seem like you know compared to some companies nintendo might be better but this, yeah this is this is still a complaint filed involving union busting that's it like, is that's no joke i do that's think no there's joke. probably a major difference between uh in terms of like quality and you know just general things between contractors and people who have permanent salary positions because it kind of feels like once you get hired hired at least in my experience, um, you're like one of the cool kids now, mm -hmm. and people realize that you're here permanently, and they start to take you a little more seriously. Um, so I, I wonder, just like the gulf of difference between permanent Nintendo permanent Nintendo employees and contracted employees. Yeah, probably probably a, a deal of difference there. Um, so that's that's rough, and I hope that gets cleared up soon. I feel like it's also worth noting, too, that none of this information even would have been made public. Um, we're going to link a Game Rant article in the description here, unless it, it hadn't come out through a Freedom of Information Act request that was filed by Stephen Totillo, who, again, just pulling up Stephen Totillo's Twitter account, I didn't realize he was at Axios now. Yeah, Axios has a games newsletter. You mentioned, yeah, you mentioned that they have a games desk, but I didn't realize that, like, former editor-in-chief of Kotaku, Stephen Totillo, was at Axios. Yeah. But that's pretty cool. But yeah. yeah, shout out to the Freedom of Information request, because, like, this was something that had been mentioned to him, it sounds like. He had heard about it, and he was only able to identify that an employee was discharged through a freedom of information request. So yeah. again, it's a it's a wonder we even hear about this and it does kind of make you wonder how much is going on behind the oh, scenes. Oh for sure. And also like I don't know if you've ever submitted a freedom of information mm -hmm. uh request, which for those who are not like versed in this and are not journalists, uh this is a public records request you can do. Depending on what state you live in, it could be used for different things. Government records, police station records, even things involving Anybody private can do companies. It too. Yeah. Anyone could do it. Um and yeah, this is how investigative reporting happens, and it is protected under our First Amendment. Um, so that's what it is. Uh, I don't know if you've ever submitted one of these. I haven't, but I've like looked over the shoulders of people who have like at internships, yeah. and, um, and I've reaped the benefits of other people's FOIA requests. Yes, <laughs> so, yeah, but it's it is grueling. Like it takes months, if not years, to get some of these things back. Sometimes. Or sometimes you get it back and it's all redacted, like redacted to hell yeah. and back to the point where you can't glean any information out of it. Or sometimes yeah. they will give you something and be like, actually, if you want more, you have to pay an exorbitant amount of money. Um, yeah. This is what happened to my student newspaper, the FS View, literally Florida State University's student newspaper. 
we were requesting police records um for something i don't even think was that controversial we're just like requesting it for like some sort of record of something i wasn't the person doing this my colleague was and Mm -hmm. tallahassee police department said that you can have these records sure um for two million dollars whoa yeah and they said that to a college newspaper which was just like basically telling us to fuck off yeah um so just the fact that they managed to even get anything out of this is like you said like just amazing yeah i yeah it's have uh, huge respect for people who are fya wizards wizards yeah this will definitely be one to keep an eye on here because like this is beyond just nintendo was kind of mean to somebody like if these allegations are true this is illegal like there this is beyond the pale of just like somebody was treated kind of unfairly like this is definitively illegal so it'll it'll definitely be something to keep an eye on here for sure i also think like in labor stuff in general and like workplace stuff in general there's an interesting line between like is that shitty behavior or is that yeah illegal yeah absolutely (laughs) well and part of that too is like as as workers generally we don't know all of our rights unless you're like in a union who have made a point of like letting you know what your rights are mm-hmm. so i don't know about you but i don't read those posters that are always hung up in front of the bathroom like i don't read them super often well i don't have posters because i work remote but that's i am true. a member yeah, of a true. union but i am a member Let's of a go. union and they're really great and uh as a new employee i got assigned a union buddy and i Let's think go. that's really cool i can ask them whatever questions i want and yeah, I get invited to cool bargaining Zoom meetings, and That's awesome. it's great. And I gotta be honest with you, like, I I enjoy being part of it, and I like, you know, changing my profile pic on Slack, but the idea of bargaining makes me want to pee my pants, and I'm glad that there's people who are brave enough and assertive <laughs> enough to do it, because, yeah, yeah, that's, it's some scary stuff, and I, I hope, I hope workers at Nintendo get a union, frankly. Honestly, I think all workers get a union, but for sure, right now, right now we are specifically talking about Nintendo. But you know what? Some heard, workers uh, are getting though. I was gonna say I I saw you had some other news for me that is yeah. related to uh, workers. Yeah, you know what? Some workers are getting though is a four day work week at some game studios. Ooh, ooh, and I ooh. So there is one game studio, uh, Crows, Crows, Crows. If you are not familiar with them they made the stanley parade ultra deluxe in 2020 and yeah they have opted for a four-day work week and it's they did it it's it's really something um apparently they were inspired by microsoft japan doing an experiment in which they did a four-day work week and found that their productivity was essentially the same and that employee satisfaction was up i don't know if they chose to continue that experiment or not but i mean it did something um yeah. and so crows 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 uh did that and then in a similar vein game freak is rolling out a optional four-day work week so i guess you don't have to opt into this i don't know how exactly this shakes out of this is like you still do 40 hours but you might work longer days monday through thursday and get friday off but it's interesting that it's being offered as an option yeah. um and game freak i mean like they they make Pokemon, y'all, right? Yeah. So, yeah. and they make like a lot of Pokemon. Yeah, too. they they make Pokemon, and it's just showing that even larger studios are considering this, which is really cool. Yeah, it. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of promising. Like anytime we talk about 
gaming labor news it kind of feels like sometimes you get like a two steps forward one step back kind of deal but yeah man i i don't know because i'm not a game dev and i'm not like on the ground in these kinds of things but i would be very curious to see how a four-day work week would interact with like the crunch period before a game needs to be released like yeah would, would crunch look like losing your extra day and having to come in for a five-day work week but even then that has got to be preferable to the 80-hour work week that a lot of people are enduring when they're in that period. Yeah, I just hope it doesn't get misconstrued into being like, oh, crunch is still 80 hours, but now it's just 80 hours and four days, and you're fucking miserable. Jesus Christ. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because yeah. then it's just like, yeah. yeah. Then you're like, I don't know, it's just like the same thing, just a little bit different face on it. Yeah. Um. So I hope it's not that. What I would hope is that this encourages like a more sustainable pace of work and that maybe games take a little longer to make and that's okay. But again, I'm being very, very like hopeful and naive there. But yeah, that's just me. It's it's cool though. It's I think it's neat to see, I mean, within games or not, more reevaluation of the five day work week, considering like it was it was really only instituted more than 100 years ago for religious reasons. And I'm not saying that, like, that is a bad reason to institute it, but we've we've had it for 100 years as a combo for, like, religious reasons and so that Henry Ford could get more people to go to the store and, like, buy things when they were off. So, like, yeah, I, I think reevaluating it in terms of productivity and, like, the... The ever-present need to have a work-life balance especially in in an era where more people are working from home like let game workers just sleep a little more god knows they need it if they're staring at computer screens all day so. very true oh yeah i have i have another labor thing um i know we just talked about something that was really great the four-day work week that's really nice i have something that is like tangentially like workplace culture related that's just like incredibly tangentially wild and, bad and shitty <laughs> Um, so Overwatch 2, um, you know, it's a thing, it's getting announced. There's been it's, some it's been footage. a thing for, like, several years now, supposedly, yeah. Yeah, and, um, so there's, like, a few things that are wrong with this. First of all, it's, like, so identical to Overwatch that the fact that it's called Overwatch 2 is, like, a stretch. Like, at, this is, like, at best a DLC. Um, mm. to call it Overwatch 2 is really disingenuous, to the point where, like, um, like Activision Blizzard has said that if you own Overwatch One, you don't have to pay for Overwatch Two, which just shows yeah, how like identical yeah. it is. Honestly, that's not really what I'm getting at. Honestly, that's not what I'm getting at at all. What I'm getting at is that there's actually a character in this new game, new game, that uh, is named after someone at the company who has sexual misconduct allegations against them. And Are you talking about how they had to rename McCree? Yep. Yeah. They oh had my to God. rename them. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, that's just, yeah. I I learned about this today when I was, like, taking my daily walk out with my fiancé, mm -hmm. who, you know, used to play a lot of these types of games in college. And I was telling yeah. him that we were podcasting today, he's like, oh, you should talk about Overwatch 2. And I'm like, I'm not really into those types of games, and neither is Noah. Mm -hmm. But, like, but he's like, no, 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 this is, like, actually bad. And then he, like, yeah. told me, and I was like, damn, that's bad. So. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> there was a man at Blizzard whose name was Jesse McCree, who was fired in 2021, in part as due to that big lawsuit about the culture of just rampant sexual harassment at Blizzard. So they had to kind of step in, and now going forward, 
McCree is named Cassidy, which like it is very amusing to me that I don't know. It seemed like they jumped on doing this faster than they jumped on actually making any kind of culture change at their company, which says a lot and is kind of yeah. just emblematic. But but yeah, I feel like this is why you probably shouldn't name, even if they are the lead game designer, maybe just don't name characters off. Like, what if there had been a hero in Overwatch just like named Harvey Weinstein? Like, maybe just don't do that. <laughs> I'm sorry, but also, the idea of that is really funny. <laughs> I do have a confession to make, though. I really, really like Overwatch. I used to play it quite a bit. Um, when I was living with roommates, my roommate owned it on PS4, and I played it a lot. But, like, when he moved out and I lost his copy of Overwatch, I never, like, quite bought it again. Yeah. And I almost did a few times, but now that I've reached a stage in my life where I just kind of, like, really don't want to buy a Blizzard game, I have not rebought it. And... I will say, for my Overwatch heads out there who really want to play Overwatch but don't want to support Blizzard, uh, have you seen the new Gundam multiplayer game that's in the works, Tori? No. I mean, I've heard that it's a thing, but I've not, like, really looked at it. So there's a new Gundam game coming out soon called Gundam Evolution. They've done a couple of closed betas, and I want to say that there is, like, some reviewing that has happened. It's been available to reviewers. It's supposed to launch at some point this year. It's going to be free to play on PC and console, and it is a literal ripoff of Overwatch, like to the point where the UI looks practically identical. It's team-based. Each of the Gundam suits has like totally different kits Mm -hmm. so that you have to strategize and work with your team and such, and it looks like it is going to exactly fill that Overwatch niche, (laughs) just like with a couple of cool new mechanics and like with a Gundam flavor thrown over top. So it's Bandai Namco is developing it. Um, I'm not going to Google immediately and see if anything horrible is going on at Bandai Namco, but one has to fucking hope that the culture is better at Bandai Namco than at Blizzard. Yeah, fingers crossed. So Noah, what is big of true? This is huge, if true. So, a mysterious 4chan post shows up online. This was this was a few weeks ago now. I don't have the exact date. Um, yeah, this was like two weeks ago now. Normally, when stuff shows up on 4chan, you can pretty definitively just ignore it. 4chan is famously just a cesspool of everybody and their brother, aside from, like, saying slurs, like, claiming they work at Nintendo or something. But... This post shows up on 4chan a few weeks ago that seems to be a Game Boy Advance emulator that was designed to run on the Nintendo Switch. Or I guess it was two separate emulators. There's a Game Boy Advance one that was codenamed Sloop and a Game Boy emulator codenamed Hyoyo. That's H-I-O-Y-O. And I'm going to link the Kotaku article that I'm pulling a lot of this from. So would this be for like the Nintendo Switch Online? That is that seems what people were thinking. Okay. Yeah. The uh the the thought granted that's if this is real because this leaked on 4chan, you know, uh people played with it. They took the files that were dropped on 4chan and found that they do apparently some people who have been able to test this just happen to have Switch dev kits laying around. I don't know who the fuck just randomly has a Switch dev kit. Just for funsies. Kit. But apparently this does run on a Switch dev kit. It also runs on cracked switches that people have like just jailbroken or put custom firmware on some such way with like next to no messing with it so the the thought is that this emulator was in development at nintendo europe research and development otherwise known as nerd 
that's what the that's what the person who leaked it kind of claimed was the involvement there and for the past couple of weeks people have been looking at it and trying to sort out you know like was this actually from nintendo is this just bullshit there's this like within the files there is a lengthy list of games that have been tested which i yeah, guess what are is these just... games the the list of games that have been tested is really interesting because it doesn't like if this was the list of games that were going to come to a hypothetical game boy advance like switch online thing i would be legitimately shocked but it, it does make me wonder if a lot of these games were just being tested to like see what can run because you've got like first party games you've got the fire emblems on the game boy advance mario versus donkey kong the pokemon games that kind of stuff but then there's also other things in here like tactics ogre definitely not developed by nintendo golden sun and golden sun the lost age Ooh. like huge fan favorite rpgs but they were not developed by nintendo uh castlevania aria of sorrow and circle of the moon two games that are available on the nintendo switch eShop in like a different package that konami sells yes it's so, like, like the anniversary bit yeah and there was a really interesting video that was put out by the folks at modern vintage gamer on youtube i really like these guys they're they're very techie and they're very like code techie so they understand a lot of the both software and hardware aspects of video games and it, they were really trying to dig into whether or not this was real and so their initial assessment was that this was bullshit because in the code it makes reference to you know those like they're called easy flashcards those flashcards you can get that are like a game boy advance cartridge that has a plug-in for a micro sd card yeah. to just load a fuck ton of roms onto it because nintendo has like attempted to sue companies that make those into oblivion so their thought was even referencing those in internal nintendo documentation would like would not, not happen be, yeah it's like against their own interest exactly but digging into the files deeper, they actually found the change logs in there. And the change logs reference, one, that this is not based on another emulator. It is, like, its own thing that was developed. And two, that it actually does make reference to, like, Nintendo's studio and all kinds of stuff. So that, to them, seems to be somewhat damning evidence that this is Nintendo's, but that maybe it was, like, never meant for public consumption maybe it was just like a pet project by some people at europe research and design so very very interesting i i don't know if this is legit or what this means going forward but like i i feel like getting game boy advance or game boy games on the switch online service has like gotta be a foregone conclusion at some point yeah just because i mean there's such a huge library to mine from that it's just kind of like money on the floor for Nintendo to take. Yeah, that sounds. I would love that because I would get the chance to play games that I've never been able to, like Golden Sun and some yeah. of these older Fire Emblems. But I just, I kind of call, I don't call BS on it. Like, I don't have a reason to be mm -hmm. like, this is fake. But I just think, I don't know. I'm just like really not optimistic about it. I think this is yeah. one of those, like, this sounds a little too good to be true. <laughs> Like, people have been talking about how good, like, um, things like DS or Game Boy yeah. Advance games would look on a Switch, and they certainly would. Oh, um, absolutely, yeah. And it's just too good to be true. That's why I think the assessment that this was potentially made as something for, like, Nintendo employees to test in-house is, like, really interesting. Because, you know, it, it 
paints an interesting image of these Nintendo research employees who are just like making an in-house emulator. And apparently this team, Nerd, has made several other emulators for Nintendo. They made like the the emulator that runs the Mario games that were released on that three pack for the Switch. So mm. this is like something they've done before. So it's kind of an interesting peek, if that is what it is, into their culture of just like, you guys think we could make a Game Boy Advance emulator for the Switch? Yeah, let's just see how it goes. And that's really interesting. Yeah. But it, I would sure love to see that translated. Um, I saw some people suggest what they think might happen is the original Game Boy would be put on the vanilla Nintendo Switch Online service. And then the Game Boy Advance games would be put on the expansion pass part of the service, mm. which is like, I can see that happening tomorrow. That just sounds like classic Nintendo. Yeah, it does, actually. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens with that, but I, I would really like yeah. to play some of those games for sure. Uh, the Game my... Boy Advance had such a good library. Yeah, it does. For sure, it does. Mm. So, my big of true... <laughs> oh, you have a big of true today, too. We have, we have two big of trues. My big of true got like okay. There's this like leaker, and by leaker I mean add like six quotation marks before and after leaker, <laughs> like leaker. Um, who? Okay, he's just basically he's just this guy with a blog. His name is Zippo. He makes yeah. some interesting claims about uh Atlas and like Persona and SMT games. Um, he claimed that they have console ports of Persona Four Golden. They're just like sitting on them and they're complete. And apparently, because he's been right about a couple things in the past, people are kind of freaking out about this. I'm not mm. really like huge about this. I think this is a little like janky from for me personally. Um But something interesting got announced today, which is like for people who don't really know like the persona series and just like the fucking weirdness of their marketing. Um Atlas hosts these, like, Persona concerts. Like, they're actual concerts. Like, they have, like, the lady who sings in Persona 5 will, like, perform there. Like, mm. you can hear her sing, like, Beneath the Mask and, like, all these really good songs from the Persona games. And they do this. And the reason why this is a big deal is that they this is where they announce Persona games at these concerts. Like, straight yeah. up. Like, they don't really announce these games, like at other intervals that they have like a long time ago but like for the past few years like they announce whole games at these concerts and i'm not just talking about like strikers or like the dancing games i'm talking like they legit announced like persona 5 at one of these concerts like seven years mm. ago and so they announced the other day that uh they're having a persona themed concert in october and so that seems like if they're gonna if they're gonna actually announce anything, like the next game or any yeah. remakes or any anything any ports like literally any new content, um, it's gonna be in October and the rest of these like quote unquote announcements are just gonna be like you know mouthwash. Yeah, uh, I'm yeah, not kidding when mouthwash. I say mouthwash. No, seriously, mouthwash. Um, I love the Persona mouthwash. I I fucking love the Persona mouthwash. I want them so bad. They are all sold out. I even checked. Because um, I wanted to send you a bottle as a gag gift, but they're all <laughs> sold out. I uh, while you were while you were digging into some of that, I was doing a little bit of background research on our friend Zippo. Yeah, and uh, Zippo's one of those leakers that it goes for like the scatter shot strategy. 
like I found a Reddit thread. Yeah, he just says shit. Yeah, he just just says shit. Yeah, yeah. I found a Reddit thread from like a year ago where he was trying to predict Nintendo stuff, and among his predictions were like, "There's a new 2D Metroid game that's being developed by Mercury Steam. It's ready to come out. They're gonna announce it E3." This was before Metroid Dread was announced, so it's like, okay, he got that. But then he's also got stuff like a new Fire Emblem game, a sequel to Mario Party, a new 2D Donkey Kong game being developed. So it's like, the guy just kind of like scattershot says stuff, and sometimes he's right, and I don't know if that's just like, you know, a broken clock right twice a day or what, but I, I do think the notion that there are completed ports of these games just sitting around completed is very amusing to me. Because that's a thing that leakers will say about other stuff. Like, uh, Zippo for one, and other leakers have also claimed that Nintendo has completed ports of the Wii U remasters of both Twilight Princess and The Wind Waker, like, finished, and just ready to release at an opportune time. Which, like, I don't know, this this world, and I don't know how true that is. Okay, I would actually, I wouldn't, like, disbelieve that. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> I feel like that's like not out, that's like not too far out of the realm. That's the thing, and it's like with a company like Nintendo, if that's a thing that they might be doing. But I, I, I would be really curious to learn like other instances where they have had a completed game and just sat on it for a minute before releasing it. Yeah. Because I know Atlas is also kind of like famously opaque when it comes to trying to figure out what the fuck they are actually doing with their game strategy. So I don't know. I uh. I don't know. I think there might be something to that, but I'm not sure I would believe this Zippo fella. So, what what's up with this Bible game getting a Switch port? So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I just wanted to go over a co- I wanted to go over a couple of new releases that are coming out, just to uh, kind of breeze through some cool things, some things that were announced. I kind of packaged this all together as a few things, but holy shit, Tori El Shaddai: Ascension of the Metatron is getting a port to the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> Yeah, so I've heard of this game that's like a cult favorite. Um, yeah, I'm kind of shocked this is happening. Yeah, this uh, this game is this game came out eleven years ago. I know this was. I know the visuals were inspired by Studio Ghibli, and I remember seeing yeah. like cases of this game at like GameStop mm-hmm. and being like, "This shit looks crazy." But I never bought it. Also, I was, like, 12, so... (laughs) I remember when it was announced at E3 back in, like, this was probably 2009, 2010. Like, I remember sitting on the couch at my mom's house watching E3 on G4 on the TV. Mm, Good times. And just, like, being blown away by the visuals of this game. And, like, not understanding that it it was based on the Bible in some way. Like, you play, you play as Enoch. And you are you are embroiled in a battle against the Nephilim and Metatron, and it's got all of this like Old Testament shit with like a a flavor of like Super Sentai cartoons painted over it, and uh, it was developed by this this development studio called UTV Ignition. They've got a bunch of games. I mean, just kind of scrolling through, they work on a lot of ports. They they made the Blue Dragon game that was ported to the Nintendo DS. They haven't really made anything particularly notable since El Shaddai, but the development on the game was led by a guy who was a character artist and designer on Devil May Cry, Okami, and one of the Fatal Frame games. 
So it like, all bangers, it had, all bangers. Yeah, it had some serious stuff happening, and it kind of launched not to like a total wet fart, but like people were just like, "What the fuck is this game?" Because it's like a third-person character action game that is inspired by the Old Testament of the Bible, but it is extremely today... marketable. Extremely marketable. Oh yeah, famously <laughs> marketable uh, Old Testament video games. Yeah, I'm kind of in awe that this is a thing but i i'm very tempted to pick this one up yeah honestly this this sounds interesting and it's one of those games too that like we talk a lot about games that are just really out of the grasp of people who want to play with them and this one mm-hmm. is the one that like you're not gonna be able to find a copy of this on the cheap Mm-mm. yeah that's definitely definitely catching my interest just gotta uh, there's a few games i want to purchase on switch because i i really like having this switch for travel reasons and this could be it, or maybe Catherine Full Body. Well, we'll have to see. Um, yeah. So speaking of games coming out for the Switch, sorry, I'm going to jump a little bit here. But yeah. Xenoblade Three is coming out sooner than anticipated. Like, yeah, what's it up was going to come out in September, and now it's coming out in late July. Cool, weird. How does a game get pushed forward instead of getting pushed back? I don't know. I saw um, a meme that was like. Uh... <laughs> Because this news came out, like, not super, super close, but, like, close enough to the news that Nintendo was involved with the potential union busting. And I saw people, like, <laughs> like quick, release Xenoblade 3. <laughs> oh, my God. Release but, the JRPG. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We've, we've talked about how the two of us are, like, sort of ambivalent about Xenoblade 3. But I, I guess I'm glad that it's, I don't know. I need, I need just, I need someone to buy me a copy of this. Yeah. I, I do have an issue sometimes with games that, like, I've been told by a bunch of people I would like, and then I'm like, oh, but $60? Yeah, um, yeah. 60 bucks is not cheap. It's, it's not, cheap. and this is my, like, this is my Fire Emblem problem, this is my Xenoblade problem, where I'm like, everyone and their mom tells me that I would like these games, but, like, can someone just, like, buy one for me, please? Ulu. Well, I've got, a, I've got a couple <laughs> of cheaper releases for you that yeah. you might like. First up, Bug Snacks launched on the Switch. Um, Bug Snacks, have you seen Bug Snacks story? Yes. Yeah, I saw Bug Snacks a... when it was like the trailer for the PS5. Yeah, the timed exclusive on the PS4 and the PS5. It's from the devs that made Octodad, and it has a theme song specifically written for the game that was recorded by Cara Cara Bonito. So like, oh my god, it's so top tier shit. The, the theme song is great too. It's just like a straight up Cara Cara Bonito song. Um, it sounds like the Switch port does not run as well or look as good as it does on the PS4 or 5, which is like, whoa, huge fucking shocker. But yeah, I don't know. If you're someone who doesn't have access to PlayStation consoles and you want to play this game, this sounds like this is like a serviceable enough port of it. Um, another new release on the Switch is Rogue Legacy 2. Tori, did you ever play Rogue Legacy 1? No. So Rogue Legacy is... It's a roguelike where you are exploring a castle, but it has a mechanic built into it that has to do with, like, like you know how some roguelikes explain why you keep dying and going into the world again? Yeah. Like, like Hades, the way, like, you die, and then Hades is like, oh, man, I just died. That sucked. Um, Rogue Legacy 2 has a system where every time you die, that character dies, and you come back into the dungeon again as that character's, like, son or daughter. So you are you oh. are constantly like passing down genes and getting 
what are functionally just like adjectives attached to new characters. So you'll come back as like Sir Robert the Fragile and Sir Robert the Fragile will have like less HP than the average character. God but damn it, you die too many times. So you got a kid with an anxiety disorder. <laughs> and you get like, at least in Rogue Legacy 1, I've not touched 2. It's been out on the piece. Or no, I believe it's, it's actually launching on all the consoles, but I haven't touched 2. But in 1, every time you died, it would like, it would spin a wheel and you would get an RNG selection of like three new heirs who could potentially, you could potentially play as. Mm-hmm. And so it would be like, you have one that has more HP or you have one that's like so-and-so the quick and they attack faster and that kind of thing. And as you got through the game, you know, you're collecting gold and you're unlocking new, uh, new skills and that kind of, you get the double jump and now you can explore a little quicker. Oh, like cool. very, very rogue legacy. One was like a top tier roguelike in my book. Like once, it was one of those ones that once you beat the first boss in the first area, you were like, I did it. I passed this insurmountable goal. And then there was like five more of those you had to beat before you beat the game. But like it felt really good. So that's like the perfect game for the Nintendo Switch. Like mm-hmm. I played it on PC and the idea of being able to just like walk around the house and try to plug through one run of this at a time is like really, really cool. So. Very nice. excited for that. Yeah. Seems like a lot of th- good games are coming out on the Switch, so seriously I'm excited and, for that. And we're not even sponsored by any of these. We're doing this out of the kindness of our heart. So Absolutely. Someone sponsor us, <laughs> please. I want to play Someone... these games for free. <laughs> Speaking of uh playing games either for free or not, what are you playing, Tori? Man, I'm playing the same two fucking games I've been playing since the beginning of time. Let's fucking let's, go. Let's fucking go. Welcome to our video game podcast. We played two games. <laughs> welcome, welcome to Press Start, where we talk about Elden Ring and JRPGs for yeah, the end of time. Right. Um, okay, so I was in an Elden Ring rut, and it was because of one reason. Do you ever like forget to upgrade your weapons or summons or whatever? You ever forget yeah. to do that? Okay, so I forgot to do that for like a month, and so yeah. Um, I upgraded my Moonvale katana like four times and upgraded my summon three times and I'm just like beating ass. I am yeah. like going to all these <laughs> enemies I've been stuck on and I'm like bleh, bleh, and I'm just like killing them. It's wild. I killed the the twin gargoyles. Ugh. Okay, yeah. You were stuck yeah. on those dudes last time we talked. I killed uh let's see, one of the godskin guys. I'm still stuck on another godskin guy. They're like the worst. Mm-hmm. At some point, you have to face them both at the same time. Um, not excited for that, but like I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm really proud of that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm making places. I'm pretty much done with Volcano Manor. I'm, I, uh, yeah, hopping back and forth between that and the Deep Root Depths. So mm. that okay. is where I am. And then uh, in Persona Three, I am on the floor one thirty-five boss. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a bad boss. I yeah. I will say this game has bosses where it matters, especially like in the version I'm playing, where you cannot control your party, what they mm. do necessarily. I mean, you can control who you bring into the fight with you. That's that's fine, but yeah. you can't control like when a certain character is like, I have a very, I'm a healer and I have ice spells, but let me do this fucking charm spell. That works one out of every sixty times. You can't yeah. control that. It's very frustrating. and functionally never works on bosses. And basically like, never works. Yeah, yeah. status Elements... effects just almost never work on yep. bosses in these yep, games. Yep. So 
this boss is one of those bosses that relies just very heavily on luck and mm. insta-kill moves that only work some of the time. And so I did some reading because I was getting really frustrated. And apparently the real hack is to level up yourself until you get to a certain level where you can use a certain move. And that level is like five levels from where oh. I am. Jesus so Christ. just hashtag on that grind. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's where I am with that, basically. It's just, just going to be grinding, apparently. Um, and then I'm also watching this super cute anime called Spy Family. Um, okay. It's adorable. It's on Crunchyroll. You wrote it out in the Google Doc as Spy X Family. Is this like a Hunter Hunter situation? Like, yeah, you just say Spy Family. Yeah, I am pronounce okay. the X. Okay. So basically, you follow this guy who is a spy. It's his mission to infiltrate and get some important classified things from someone, but to do that he has to embed himself into this town. And to appear normal in this town he has a, a fake occupation, and to appear like a normal guy he has to have like a wife and a kid, and he has to acquire all these things within a week. And so he has now acquired a, a wife and a kid who have very interesting backstories of their own. They're all like huh. pretending to be a fake family, but each one has different reasons for pretending to be a fake family. And none of them know each other's identities. So. Huh. That's kind of yeah. fun. It's, it's also super cute. Like, super duper cute. And I, I'm getting the feeling it's one of those, like, oh, you and, you and I got married for spy reasons, but now we actually, like, kind of like each other type Classic. of things. And yeah. I, I know it's such a trope, but it's a trope I love. So. Speaking of manga, I saw online that there's a new manga that launched earlier this year from Hiromu Arakawa, the woman who wrote Full Metal Alchemist. And oh. I have not really kept up with Arakawa's work outside of Full Metal Alchemist, but I was like a fucking diehard Full Metal Alchemist fan. I have not watched, I've not gone back and watched it at all recently, but I imagine I could easily just lapse right back into that. But this new manga from Arakawa is called Yomi no Sugai. It does not have an English translation yet. Well, it probably has, like, fan subs online, but it has not, like, officially been localized at all yet because there's only a few chapters out. They've been coming out monthly. But the description on some website called Mangaka Lot reads, It centers on Yuru, a boy who lives in a remote mountain village, spending his time hunting birds and being one with nature. But one day, his sister, his, sorry, but one day, his younger twin sister, Asa, is called to serve in the jail at the heart of the village, her duty also confining her there. And he slowly unravels the unnatural mystery hidden beneath his quiet village. And that sounds awesome. Um, that sounds cool. I hope it gets turned into an anime or something because yeah. fuck me up. I love Hiromu Arakawa's art and I'm adamant that Fullmetal Alchemist is like a fucking masterpiece. But Yeah, I totally agree. I love Fullmetal Alchemist. It's great. Well, I also agree that I haven't watched it since like 2013. But yeah. from what I've seen, it probably still holds up well. I feel like watching it now, especially with the popularity of Attack on Titan, it'd probably be interesting, considering it does litigate a lot of similar themes about, like, imperialism and the state and what it does and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I don't know. But, um, sorry, way in the weeds. You asked me what I've been playing. I made a little bit of progress on Elden Ring earlier this week, but didn't really play a whole lot. I finally okay. beat Radon. Oh my god! With, did you do it without the summons? Yeah, the only summon I got oh my was God. Alexander the Golden Pot Boy, and he he did not last very long. But I did finally <laughs> beat him. Um, I got so hung up on trying to beat him by inflicting him with Scarlet Rot, and then like killing him while that was chipping away at his HP, 
that I had kind of forgotten that I had been like leveling up my sword and leveling up my character and I could like do enough damage and I had learned his attack pattern that I was like I could just beat him like the good old-fashioned way so I did beat Radon felt very good I've not played a lot more after that I was just kind of riding at high um I'm currently trying to figure out how to get into the academy but I've not figured it out yet so uh do you want me to tell you no don't don't tell me I'm gonna figure it out I'm gonna actually fuck it tell me I can cut this Huh, thank you, that's good to know. Um, I've, in not playing as much Elden Ring, I've been kind of playing some other stuff. I am still playing Persona 3. I am also to the same boss you are. I It's kind of funny because I had pulled ahead of you initially, just because I think the, the pick-up-and-play nature of Persona 3 Portable is such that I can just kind of, like, pick up my PSP, hammer away a day or two, and then put it on sleep mode for a few yeah. hours. Um, but you've pulled ahead of me a little bit. It's a good game. I, I will have more to say eventually, but it's a good game. I did play a couple of new things, though. I picked up a game on Switch called Carto. This game is on sale for 10 bucks. It was published by Humble Games, so as I've said, I trust them implicitly in terms of what they publish. It was developed by a Taiwanese dev team called Sunhead Games. From mm-hmm. what I can tell, it's one of just a few of their games. They have a few others that I've never heard of called A Ride into the Mountains and the Swords. But Carto is very cute. It's a puzzle game with an adorable art style, firstly. But you play the game, you play as Carto, who is a young girl who is separated from her grandmother. And your grandmother is like a master cartographer. So you go down into the world. You're exploring. That's so interesting. Oh, it's really cool. And the, the, the core game mechanic is about finding snippets of a map and then opening your map and then placing down these squares so that they connect. And so you'll open up your map and you'll place down four squares and now you can navigate through those squares on the overworld when you close your map. And so a lot of puzzles require you to, you know, rotate a piece that is already on the ground so that you can access something that is inaccessible. Or I completed this one quest earlier where I just got to a desert and I talked to a character who was like, you need to go deep into the west. And a lot of times it will require you to arrange the map pieces you do have in such a specific way that you'll hear like the Zelda-esque puzzle jingle and then you'll get new pieces to the map. So... The character goes, you need to go into the west, and I've only got two desert tiles that I can do anything with. So to solve this puzzle, spoilers for this one very specific Carto puzzle, I suppose, I was I had to take the two pieces I had and continually put them in front of one another once I had made it to the end of that piece to the west, and eventually it like simulated me walking west far enough to the desert that I completed the puzzle. And it's just like super cute stuff like that. Um, it's got a really kind of beautiful outlook on the world too which is like Carto is going to all of these different places and meeting with these people from all of these disparate cultures and mm-hmm. tribes and peoples and it's just very like uh like reverent of other people there's there are like some goofy like Terry Pratchett-esque jokes here and there <laughs> where it's like some of the character like uh, you go into a library at one point in the library you pick up a book that has references to other books and they're like riffs on book titles and song titles but like all in all it, it very much seems like the developers came up with like the kinds of cultures that would be associated with like traditional video game biomes so like the desert and the forest and the snowy place and that kind of thing 
but yeah. they've like really lovingly created these cultures that like you have to assist with a ritual and in doing so they start calling you something they'll start calling you like oh seeker of the water or something like that but it's never played for jokes like it's it's all played really straight and i think it's really beautiful um playing that enjoying it a lot and i also downloaded on my phone totally free to play not words have you seen not words no what is not words it's like anti-wordle it's kind of like anti-wordle it's the newest game from zach gage and jack schlesinger zach gage specifically was involved with really bad chess on mobile do you ever play really bad chess at all no i never played any chess period Oh man, so. I was addicted to really bad chess for a while. It is it's a mobile game that kind of auto-generates games of chess for you to play against an opponent by auto-generating the pieces. So it's like you could open a game of chess and you'll have like instead of pawns, a whole row of knights or something like that. And then a lot of times it was more strategic too, like you would have rather than two bishops in that spot you would have two rooks in that spot and like really required you to think about chess and like uh pun intended i guess like a four-dimensional way like really approaching what you know about how chess works and breaking it down to the core essentials of this is how the pieces move so not words is like not words is like if you combined wordle and doing a crossword into the same game and it's fucking stellar i am absolutely in love with it it's like this is going to be really difficult to describe via audio, but hang in there with me. You have, it'll give you a crossword board. And on the crossword board, it'll be divided up into little chunks that are like three boxes or four boxes. And each of those boxes will have all of the letters that are supposed to go in them, just not placed in the boxes yet. So you'll have a box that'll say like AAP. And so you know those three letters have to go in that box somewhere. But those boxes are directly connected to other boxes. So mm-hmm. this box will have AAP, the A, and you'll have two going horizontal and one down vertical. And this is all connected to a larger crossword puzzle. So you're not solving for word clues. You're solving it kind of like you solve Sudoku, where it's like, okay, a P oh. has to go here because a P works with another word that I've started constructing horizontally going in here too. And it like... It has a hint system for when you get stuck because there are times the same way like when you start a Sudoku puzzle and you're looking at it and you're like, I don't fucking know. I'll put an eight here because I have nothing on the board. You can get hints, but all the hints do is give you the dictionary definition for the word that is going to be completed when you complete those few things. So like even once you get a hint, it still kind of feels like you're having to work for it. It's not like it automatically solves it. It gives it away. Yeah, that's so interesting. It's totally free to download. It launched today as of when we started recording, and um, so it's, like, definitely out by the time you're listening to this. I heard that this was coming out soon, like, a few weeks ago, and I have been anxiously waiting for it to come out. And then I got a notification a few days ago that the folks over at Into the Aether were going to be going live streaming it. I got this notification, like, two days ago, and I flipped out. I was like, is it already April 28th? Like, oh my god. But they had just been given the ability to test it out live on Twitch very briefly to, like, show it to people. But, like, oh my god, it's so much fun. It has it has a system where it looks like you get a certain amount of puzzles per month to do, as well as one daily puzzle, a la Wordle. And then if you pay, you can get access to more puzzles. So it's, like, $5 for a subscription plan, it looked like. I couldn't tell if that was weekly or monthly. 
or you can pay 12 bucks for it once and you just get it unlocked for life and i'm really thinking about spending that 12 bucks uh it's on android lifetime membership lifetime membership it's on android iphone it's on steam it's on steam available to play on pc and mac like you can play this just about everywhere it feels really good on the phone i bet it feels really good on computer too it's so cool and it it scratches like the perfect itch that i think a lot of people are probably getting scratched with wordle right now but like maybe give a different kind of word game a try well that's really cool i i'm definitely interested in this word game so because i i feel like i'm getting a little too good at wordle so i definitely have to <laughs> Yeah, I'm like I I guess the word like on my second or third try a few days ago, and I was like, all right, Damn. this is. Yeah, you gotta, gotta get humbled. You gotta get humbled here. True. And I think that's pretty much it for the week, Noah. Anything else? No, that's that's pretty much it. I uh I got my two game recommendations that aren't Persona or Elden Ring. One of them really requires you to use your brain, and the other is one that I like fell asleep playing on the couch a few days ago. So like, covering running the whole full game spectrum. here. Yeah, yeah, full spectrum of games. Actually, one last thing. We got a really nice five-star review on our podcast. Uh, someone wrote in on April 20th saying, Fabulous show, five stars. Saying, My favorite tiny video game podcast. Always thoughtful, funny, covering a broad spectrum of games with an open and inclusive perspective. Extremely, wildly recommend. Um, very sweet. Shout so out. So sweet. Yeah. Thank you to whoever left that. Yeah, amazing five-star review. I also want to shout out that we have a one-star review with no <laughs> words. But, you know, I think you wouldn't have haters if you weren't if you weren't doing something right. So Yeah. I Shout out to my haters, honestly. Shout out to my haters. But I really want to know why they gave us one star. <laughs> like, I'm not offended. I just want to know, like, do you think my voice is annoying? That's a very common thing. With women in podcasting, do you think our do you think takes my are bad? voice is annoying? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, like I, I just want to know. Possible. Like I will completely disregard the opinion, probably, but like I just am curious. Yeah. So whoever rated that one star, if you're still listening, tell tell us why you think our show sucks. And whoever left the five star review, thank you very much. Anybody else, you are welcome to leave reviews, five star, one star, everything in between on your podcatcher of choice. I think uh, Spotify doesn't let you leave word reviews; they just let you leave star reviews, but Tell us how you feel. Tell us if you think one of our voices is annoying or if you think we're open and inclusive. Either way, I think that's it. Thanks for the reviews. Please leave more. But in the meantime, Tori, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, sure. You can find me on Twitter at Tori underscore as underscore always. Are you still on Twitter or have you made the, uh, have you made the exodus back to Tumblr? Oh my god, you cannot pay me to go back to Tumblr. <laughs> I'm sorry. I deserve compensation. I... I, yeah, I deserve compensation for the six years in which I spent at least four hours a day on there. Yep. I'm good. Happens to the best of us. No, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Um, You can, you can find me on Twitter uh, at least un until I'm canceled by Elon Musk or something at Noah underscore Hertz spelled H-U-R-T-S. The show is on Twitter as well at press underscore start pod. We're also technically on TikTok, but I haven't really been posting on TikTok at also press underscore start pod. All of our cool sound effects and music is by the artist Geist. You can listen to more of their stuff on Bandcamp at N-O-A-H-G-E-I-S-T dot Bandcamp dot com. Our show art is by Kai at Wisp Graphics. And I think that is about it. Tori, anything else? Any closing thoughts about games? I got nothing. Do you think we are we the cow tools of video game podcasts? I think we are the cow tools of video game podcast. 
Again, not elaborating. Just make of that what you will. Can't believe you fucked this up. I can't believe you I fucked know, this I up. I know, I fucked this up so bad. <laughs>